everybody, and welcome to Stranger Things with Jay, Jack, and Mike. My name is Jay. My name is Mike. And I'm You Can't Spell America Without Erica. <laughs> and welcome to the show, and uh, welcome uh, all of us uh, being in the same quote-unquote uh, podcasting room together. First time We just said before we hit record, it's been almost like a year and a half. I love how self-serving is that. Welcome, everybody. But most of all, welcome back us, the people you really <laughs> want to yeah. remember from this. Yeah, who cares about the show? <laughs> well, yeah, it's been. We were trying to figure this out. The last time we talked was the Westworld season two. I can't remember, honestly, if we did. A, I think we did a wrap-up show after yeah, the finale. We did. But that was back in June, I want to say. So, yeah, it has been over a year. A lot has changed, at least in my life. Yes. So it's, it's it's been amazing to to you know rekindle these flames to get back together with you guys <laughs> down in this in the iron works and uh, you know start dressing each other up. Oh man, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, no better thing to to bring us back than Stranger Things uh, uh, season, or I guess it's Stranger Things three. I don't, do they try and say it's the third Stranger Things as opposed to. Third chapter three. or something like chapter uh, three or is that, uh, is that what they do or is that the well because well, they do chapters the chapters are the episode time they're, 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 one, they're one of those shows like i think house of cards uh did that as well but house of cards kept going right it was like yeah. one through 12 and then season two is 13 through 24 so you had to yeah. do math to figure out what episode <laughs> the season is do you uh, do, do you feel like that i feel like the duffers should have subtitled these seasons you know yes. it feels like you know, if they're taking off of like these uh, these '80s horror films that also had myriad sequels, they usually like subtitle those. I'm very surprised that we haven't gotten subtitles for these seasons. That's a good hmm. point. Or even like, you know, you had uh, Empire Strikes Back. We'd even like see Star Wars and just Empire Strikes Back. It's that's a good call out. I'm surprised they haven't. I mean, they've they basically have uh, taken influence or have used references to so many other. Uh, you know, uh, pop culture items from the '80s. I'm, su- I'm surprised they have not done that. Well, the music is great. Well, I I, I, I love the music. It's, it's it's my music. So um, it is it is it is your time, Jack. It it's, is, it's is. My, it, it is my. And I will say this though. I, I got to say this about the the, the parents of Hawkins, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana. Without them being so such terrible parents, we wouldn't have this show. Mm. Because not knowing where your kids are twenty four seven, they couldn't go on these adventures, right? Well, I mean, you could you couldn't have today's parents where they're you know helicopter parents where they're running around with their kid following them everywhere. This show wouldn't work, right? Well, I think we've made that observation before, but I feel like at this point they're like teenagers, kind of, right? And but, I, I, but my I, teenage I, years, I, I was I out running this, around doing I whatever. Made this point before, but choice uh, will has been taken, uh, you know. Uh, What's what's every season something happens to Will, right? Yeah, and she's off worrying worrying about electricity. So you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting arc for Joyce this season, and, and you know, good on both Winona Ryder and Noah Schnapp of giving them something different to do this season. I do feel like season three more so than season two felt like they were trying to do something completely different instead mm-hmm. of like inherently relying on the events of season one. They decided to really take these characters and put them in a different setting literally but yeah I, I wonder if you know as they're becoming teenagers as they're becoming older is it more or less egregious on the parts of like mike and nancy's parents or dustin's mom to like let these kids run out and presumably some of them, you know some of them are like staying out for like two three days straight just sort of <laughs> running around doing stuff without going what, home. what, what about erica how old is erica 10 
10. Okay, so she's out late at night. Well, I uh, so I don't so here where's, we go. Where's my daughter? Well, I don't know. It's the 80s. Let's talk put, about put on some Huey Lewis. Uh, how we're gonna break down uh, this season of the podcast. So I think uh, the the past few times we've done two episodes at a time, but we didn't like the wa- we didn't watch the next episodes. Uh, and I think you know, especially with this season, since it's only eight episodes, uh, we and since mainly people are binging this, we're we're kind of binge podcasting this as well. Uh, so today's episode uh, will cover the first four chapters, uh, and then uh, the next episode, which we will release possibly later this week, maybe early next week, uh, will uh, have the last uh, four chapters. Mike and I have seen the whole thing already, and in a little bit of confusion in our kind of group chat, Jack only watched the first four. Uh, the, old so, guy, the old guy got confused. Uh, uh, but so we will we will do our best one not to spoil jack but also to keep you know the chunk of this discussion uh to these first four uh episodes i'm I'm, kind of mad at myself for not understand misunderstanding because i wanted to keep watching (laughs) no i i I like this though because we have varied opinions of you know two people who know the full arc and one person who doesn't know where the next four episodes are going to go so it'll be interesting to get the difference of opinions i'll also say right off the bat you know i think in comparison to our previous uh, podcast from two from two years ago, uh, I, we're taking more of a macro look at the season than mm-hmm. a micro look. If you are looking for a micro look and you are not tired of my voice, I did get together <laughs> with the great Josh Wiggler on post-show recaps where he and I did episodic recaps. And it was literally like a we – got, we got in one room – we watched an episode, recorded something, and then repeated, you know, eight times. Oh, and my God. That, oh, that's 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 cool. And then by the, I think by the time, uh, you know, this is out, I think three of those eight recordings should be out. So if you're looking for more of like a what happened specifically in each episode, you can listen to that. But if you're more into like the how do these storylines track over these four episodes, that's what you're here for. And I'm really excited to hear your guys' opinions and how they sort of differ I've also now rewatched these episodes, and my opinions have changed even from my first viewing to my second viewing well, uh, that... about things I didn't like or mm-hmm. liked or vice versa. Well, it is interesting because I think there is something about uh, the way we binge Stranger Things, or at least this season specifically. And and Jack, I know you're only kind of halfway through, um, and I, I'm curious to see from your perspective, Mike, if uh, how you felt about the pacing stopping each at each episode. But to me, overall, um, because I think there was a lot of complaints in season two about pacing or just kind of it would or especially maybe the the 11 episode um, kind of threw off the pacing. But this season just felt nonstop uh, from from the get go almost. uh, And to me, kind of was arguably the most action packed and the most adrenaline uh, pumping season of the show so far. But Mm -hmm. did, did it? Did, it sh- did that shift for you at all, separating it out, each one? Uh, well, yeah, actually, because I think that separating out each one, I actually, and you can listen to this uh, on the podcast I did with Josh, the first couple episodes in particular, I f- was not a huge fan of in my first viewing because I mm-hmm. found them to be a little slow, especially I, compared I, to... I agree. Especially compared to episodes three and four, even, which really ramp up the tension. And I think... I think it also just might be sort of a, a hallmark of what they do with Stranger Things, which is when you have this ensemble of characters which are ballooning with each and every <laughs> season, they essentially need to like say, okay, here's where these characters are now, and this is what they're dealing with, you know, this season. And it took them a couple of episodes to really reintroduce the characters 
and get us into everything that's going on. Watching it back, I think I have much more appreciation for it. I think episode two in particular, I was actually might have been at the time my least favorite episode. I was not a huge fan of all the mall stuff. I was like, why are we taking a break from all the, the, <laughs> the fun sci-fi that's going on? But I realized if you look at Stranger Things as more of a send-up of, like, 80s culture mm -hmm. instead of just 80s horror, like maybe we were inclined to believe in the first season, I actually enjoyed that second episode in particular a lot more. Once you look more into, like, you know, the, the Max and Eleven relationship yep. and, you know, the, the, the fact that these kids are being kids and we really haven't seen that, at least in, a, in season two entirely. I, I gained further appreciation for it, though. Uh, you know, I still will ascribe to the point that I think while there is some good stuff with in these first couple episodes, I feel like episode three is really when we turn the ignition key and really start this up. Yeah, I, and, I, and I would agree. And I think, you know, if you are just letting it ride uh, and, and letting uh, uh, Netflix just bring up that next next episode in five seconds after the, the previous one <laughs> ends, uh, maybe uh, that kind of recapping all these or getting reacquainted with all the characters happens a lot quicker. Because uh, to right. me, I didn't stop at chapter two, went straight into chapter three, and maybe start a little bit of chapter four, but like, okay, it's 1 a.m., we need to go to bed. <laughs> and then <laughs> you know, start over, so... Are you guys the um? Are you guys skip intro people? Yes. Uh, Ooh. Okay. I with Stranger Things, I am not. Uh, save for I think we did it on one episode where again it was getting late at night and we were like, uh, we need to go to bed soon, so let's save the two minutes. Uh, but I I don't know if this happened to other people, but maybe there are so many people streaming it that it actually the the one time we did it it got stuck and it couldn't it took forever to try and reload the episode when it skipped was that was that ahead. Friday night? Uh, it Saturday? was last night I think because we finished the season I, last night. Which was I tried Saturday. watching it Friday night and it wouldn't it just kept buffering. I, I I go what this I go come on, so I'm like going boom boom up. So I, I stopped for an hour, tried it, and I go well maybe it's maybe it's my computer, but I tried uh HBO and Amazon Prime, and I was able to stream anything I wanted there. So I think it was just so many people were hitting it, I just wasn't able to. Uh, and I finally, when it finally started to work, it was like an old '80s show that you're trying to watch. It's not HD. I'm like going, I, I go, yeah. And they had the, the, the machine going. I'm like going, what is going on here? I couldn't really tell. I, yeah, I couldn't really tell what was I, going on. At first, I thought that's how it was being filmed on purpose, but, but, but then it was like, okay, this is something wrong with the stream i had service. this i had the same problem uh with chapter seven uh where it was kind of grainy and pixelated and you can ask colleen like i i uh exited out of the i restarted the apple tv and all this kind of stuff and and again you could just say like oh just watch it you can still see it. it's like but no i'm paying for 4k i have a gigabit speed internet <laughs> yeah. connection it's like no i want to see this beautiful uh as most uh clear and crystal as i can get it um and, Especially uh, when they warn you the special effects. Yeah, it's strobe. Str I mean, this is a very strobe-heavy season. Yes. I <laughs> feel bad for anyone who is, uh, you know, susceptible to seizures just because, basically, if you're not into seizures and you're not into, like, goo, I don't think Stranger Things <laughs> Season 3 is is right for you because those are two of the major themes. I, I do want to also bring up, Jay, you, know, you mentioned sort of, like, what makes this season different from any others in terms of maybe consuming I do wonder if the fact that it came out on a holiday weekend mm -hmm. might have either, I wouldn't say helped it or hurt it, just changed the way to view it. Like, yeah. because people had so much time, assumingly, if people had a four day weekend, like, yep. we, you know, since Fourth of July was on a Thursday, they could just say, oh, yeah, you know, while well, I'm getting back from the festivities, I'll just turn on Stranger Things and watch it for like 
eight hours straight. Yeah. Whereas maybe when it came out in October of 2017, I think is when we talked about season two, yep. that's the middle of the fall. Things yep. are a little different and you're, you're more inclined to like stretch it out. That's a, that's a good point. And I think uh, too, like even just the, the thing, this, the, or at least the experience seemed to be much more of a big kind of blockbuster uh, kind of movie or very much summer popcorn movie feel uh, to it uh, where, uh, you know, season two definitely was going for the Halloween um, and since it was released on Halloween. And then season one uh, was that summer of 20, uh, was it 2016? Yeah. Um, which it, 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 I mean, it was the first season, so it didn't really have maybe the clout to do whatever. Um, but it does, it, it does seem interesting to see. And, and we'll probably talk about this more when we talk about episode, uh, chapters five, six, seven, eight, but seeing, okay, we had the Halloween uh, season. We've had the 4th of July season. What, what holiday uh, will be next? And I do think they maybe lay some clues or groundwork to where that could go uh, in those chapters. But, uh, but yeah, I, to me, I really dug at first. I was like, Oh, 4th of July doesn't really feel, uh, you know, horror or dark and sinister, uh, but the trailer still still look cool. Um, but uh, I, to me, that the the Fourth of July theming and how it did kind of tie in with this great four day weekend uh, did make it a, a, a pretty neat experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, uh, it, and to me the mall uh, stuff and maybe because I I was a, a mall rat. Uh, one, uh, my mom <laughs> or both my parents had jobs in malls. Uh, and so I, I hung around there a lot, and then we had our own Parkway Plaza, which very similar design in the the eighties and nineties to it's this one. Cutter mall, yeah. Um, and uh, so t- I loved, I absolutely loved uh, the mall stuff because it just it took me back. Hot dog on a stick, um, <laughs> Sam Goody. I mean, all of those things spent so where my, where much time. Where my sister time. worked, hot dog on a stick, um, or pups on a pole, whatever it was called. And, and I was gonna say, so it's, it's hot dog on a stick really this is you know 90s kid coming in here to talk about the 80s was hot dog on a stick like a brand or is that more so like a, a generic way to describe a type of food that was being served no it was a legit was restaurant a, yeah, uh, yeah you, had, you had pups on a pole and hot dog on a stick so hot it's it's more of a west coast thing i don't think it is really anywhere on the east coast so that's where it's shocking it's in indiana but um and and maybe it is i don't know but uh is indiana but, has jack in the box uh it was a it started out as like a beach uh kind of thing um and that's actually the second kind of big uh hot dog on a stick reference this past year because uh, i don't know if you saw bumblebee uh the kind of transformers I, I reboot did, i did not uh but the main character in that film also works at a hot dog on a stick um so it is a legit uh kind of fast food and it's basically just corn dogs corn dogs and, yeah, and cheese say. dogs and lemonade and that's like L- the, the lemonade so it's up there with orange julius and uh <laughs> do they have any of those anymore those yeah those are so, i think uh they merged with baskin robbins um, yeah, so something like that like whenever when i would go to the mall up until like the early 2010s i remember that the orange julius would be like it'd be like an orange julius arby's or something <laughs> where like the restaurant would serve drinks as orange julius so they clearly could not be self-sustaining uh, well do you think do you think with scoops ahoy Fit, fit in with all those other <laughs> 80s type of things or is, is do you think that's too is it too out of the box for oh, the it, other 80s brands no, I, I think it's perfect it fit right in like i think back to uh you, and jack you you'd probably even know more because you were more you know a, a grown-up to remember it but to me like utc like that wood paneling yeah. and everything like it just it 
that is exactly the type of place. Because I remember, I remember the ice cream shop at UTC, and I think it had like the same wood paneling, if I remember correctly. It, but Swanson, Swanson, Swanson's um, Samsonite. Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I thought it fit right in with with that vibe. And again, like rather sitting there in the booths. Um, I think the Burger King as well uh, had a similar type uh, yeah. layout. Um, I mean, you had you had people that were there wearing those kind of you know ridiculous you know outfits and and oh actually I'm uh, and even in Hopper his cutting edge uh, kind yes. of uh, Magnum PI shirt Jack did that yeah. uh, echo back any yeah. uh, favorite uh, choices well, it, for you? Well, well, he's he's watching the pilot episode. Yeah, don't look at the dogs. Don't look at the dogs. I mean, it, it just <laughs> and then he gets the the cool shirt. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen pictures of you, uh, in this time, Jack, you definitely, uh, were going for the Don Johnson slash Magnum PI well, that, that was uh, attire. The, that was more, more mid eighties. I think, uh, the, the Don Johnson look, but, uh, but, uh, so, uh, would you, uh, did you think, uh, Hopper's, uh, uh, attire this season, uh, with the, with the, uh, Magnum PI shirts ridiculous or were you like, no, I'd rock that. And I did. Rock I, that. I, I'd rock, I'd still wear it. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm a fan of the Hawaiian shirts because my my wife isn't, so I don't wear see, them a lot. I don't think but. I would count that as a Hawaiian shirt. I just felt like it was like one of those pattern kind of '80s yeah. button-up. It was, shirts. it was, it wasn't flash. I mean, it wasn't oh my, because even I think they make a comp. One of the the his uh, deputy. deputy where he made a comment. That's kind of that's got a lot of color for you there. <laughs> and it wasn't it's really cutting wasn't edge. Like, I felt that's like a, it's like an Indiana Hawaiian shirt. You yeah, know, exactly. where I think the the middle America's used to a lot of like browns and yellows and greens so i think if you just put a pop of pink in there that like come that comes across as very exotic whereas like if you went to california where you know max and billy were i'm sure that's like run-of-the-mill thing you would run into on, on santa monica boulevard well to be honest in the 80s if you if you, when guys started wearing pink i mean i started i had my wife got me a pink sweater pink shirts pink polo it was pink pink it became at first like I can't wear this, you know, like I can't wear a pink shirt. But then, you know, it just over time you did it, and people didn't. No one beat you up, so you were you were okay. But <laughs> but, uh, but but it just that's how it was. A, it was a you didn't see a lot of guys wearing pink. Uh, well, if for, and for those who don't know, Jack uh, was a severely bullied kid, uh, so he feared anything in which he exactly. could still be so, yeah, it's like, I, can beat I, up and thrown in the lockers uh, as a young twenty-year-old. So I, I can't wear pink. He ran into a few billies in his day. Let's just yeah. say that. Oh, geez. Would you have gone to Camp Nowhere, Jack, or is that too dorky for you? Well, that that's too that's too intelligent for me. I, there's no way. I, I'd be like, okay, I could put like a mento and some Coke, but uh, I don't know if I could do anything else. Yeah, you'd be like showing off like Dustin, showing off his new inventions of like, oh, I call it Soda Stream, and you just put a ponto in the Diet Coke and spray it everywhere. Exactly. That, that would be my limit. No. Come uh, check out my cool... Uh, volcano yeah <laughs> um well uh yeah let's let's dig in a little bit to these chapters uh and you could bringing up uh dustin's uh you know return from summer camp and his girlfriend uh Susie, uh who you know s- super smart looks like phoebe cates um and is is phoebe cates is she like arguably the probably the the one every guy uh, or or girl was was after if that uh, was uh, what you were looking for was I mean is she like fast tops in the eighties maybe yeah I mean she was it, wasn't she also in uh, what was that movie uh, Gremlins, she was in right? Gremlins yeah I mean yeah. she was like one of those yeah, she, she, I think she was the it, the it girl for teenagers uh, back then so <laughs> yeah, she's so accessible because she got to be in like 
little cutesy sci-fi movie. Then she got to be like the hot girl in the high school movie. So yep. I guess she was uh, the most attainable. But yeah, I mean, Jack, at this point, do you think Susie's made up or not? Do you think Dustin's fabricating all this to impress I, I, his friends I, who I, have girlfriends? I don't think he is. Okay. I, I, I don't think he... I I know they, they do. And like I said, through four episodes, we haven't seen her or even heard from her. But I'm going to say no. That well, I um, um, what's his? I'm drawing a blank on his. Uh, Dustin. Not du- no Dustin. What's the his friend? The older guy. The the guy that's wearing the Chippewa. Oh, oh Steve. 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 I don't want to forget Steve. He believes her. Him. Well, yeah, because I uh, to me, I love that they've continued that relationship of of Steve and uh, Dustin um, and. Uh, I, I, to me, I thought was my favorite things uh, from season two. So I love that they've brought and kind of even continue to grow it uh, in season three. Uh, and then we have uh, the addition of Robin, who, and uh, you know, Jack, you still haven't seen in the last four, but I think is a, a great addition as well. Like I think a lot oh, of people. Yeah. Well, she was um, she was also her. she was funny in the you know, when Steve kept striking out. She would uh, have a little ch- little chart there for how many times he would strike out. But yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I feel like she is a really great character, even in these first four episodes, just because it's always fun to see. And this is why Erica was so fun in season two, and we'll talk about her definitely in season three as well. But it's always fun to have somebody going in and essentially reminding us that they are all dorks. And Steve <laughs> has become so much dorkier between seasons two and three, the sailor suit doesn't help, but like now he's, he's lost his game. He's losing out on all these girls. Yeah. Uh, and you know, now him and Dustin have this like really elaborate handshake. He was over the moon to right. see Dustin there, which was, is really fun to Jay's point. I really like the furthering of that relationship. And it's really fun to have Robin there just to respond to all the nonsense <laughs> that's going on. Uh, but well, it's also, well, Go ahead. When, she, when she goes when the when all the kids show up to the movies for hey your kids are here <laughs> yeah yeah i do love that she acknowledges the fact that, like the only people he's apparently friends with now are like 13 year old kids and again this was the cool guy in high school yeah. uh, yep. and that's the other thing as well is that it's interesting to sort of see robin as we see her but also find out from steve when dustin keeps pushing this possible relationship on steve of like no, she was such an offbeat in high school, like band geek, drama geek. It's interesting to see because she does not really, I don't want to, you know, paint with a broad brush those stereotypes, but she does not really remind me of that at all outside of like her saying she has uh, what her ears are little geniuses or something. She has she has a, a linguistic ear, but that's really the only quote unquote nerdy thing she's done in these four episodes. But I think right. what's kind of cool and, and what they've done and they really dig into this season and, and you see it here in these first couple chapters uh, with Steve Harrington, but uh, and, it, and it's true to life in that the people that are, say, you know, the kings and queens of high school. Uh, it's it's almost you know a stereotype that you know once high school's over, uh, it's the nerds seem to be the ones that actually are the more well adjusted and, and prepared for or do are seemingly are more successful uh, in real life and it's the, the those kind of the jocks and the cool kids in high school uh, seem to struggle. Because um, well, no one no one's kissing their backsides anymore. Yeah, the the, 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 the real the, there's a real world, and when you get out in the real world, people aren't going oh yeah you're the yeah, you're you're nobody. You're... Well, that's where it's kind of funny to see like the social dynamic completely changes. Like for for Steve, he's like, well, this, she's banging. Like he still is in. He's he's having a tough time. Yeah, adjusting. exactly. So, like, that doesn't matter anymore. Like it literally, that it doesn't matter at all. 
Um, and well, like uh, he goes, I give you advice. You don't give me advice. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I I really love uh, that trio. Uh, and then Erica, a character I thought was maybe just like kind of a one off kind of joke kind of thing. Uh, you know, a cool little foil uh, in season two. Uh, I loved her in this season. I thought she was a great uh, kind of addition to that uh, uh, trio. And um, and I know we can't really get into uh, five, six, seven, eight, but I, I think um, she was a lot of fun. I really dug uh, what she brought. Yeah, we talked about this. On, I talked about this on the podcast with Josh about how the Duffers definitely seem like one of those television creators that I think utilize a lot more you know uh like focus grouping from fan reaction to determine some of the decisions they make moving forward and i think the decision to make erica i believe priya ferguson was made a series regular for this season and i could only assume it was in response to the fact that people loved that like what two scenes yeah. i think she was in yeah in season two but that being said she is so much fun i love how precocious she is going mm-hmm. into this whole you know, um, monologue about capitalism and why she absolutely <laughs> loves it. Being able to house so many different ice cream treats and be able to extort said <laughs> ice cream treats from an entire, like, basically company is just genius level work. And her sassiness knows no bound. And the yeah. first oh, no. episode, when, when they're walking... Great little actress. Yeah, when they're walking through the mall, there's this great moment where, you know, Lucas and her have spats, of course, and Lucas says, I think, like, shouldn't you be uh, going to bed soon? And she, and she says, like, shouldn't you d- die? And it's just so <laughs> blunt and dark, but Erica sells it so well. Uh, it is really interesting to see the, the Scoops Ahoy group also sort of expand, because at first you have... Dustin finds out through Cerebro this like Russian transmission. Mm-hmm. He tells Steve in episode two. Episode three is really when like Robin gets involved and quote unquote solves the case. And then yep. episode four is when Erica gets involved. And I won't spoil if there are any more hangers on there, but it is really interesting how this sort of like weird Wizard of Oz esque group yes. just keeps gathering in all these misfits while the other characters are off doing their own things. Uh, you know, this group forms. Jack, how do you feel about the fact that? In this first half, at least, Dustin is completely away from his friends well, outside know, of when I'm, he takes them on the hill. Luckily, they 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 worked uh, Steve into the uh, the you know they built Steve and uh, Dustin's care, you know development last year, so it works. Because you're like, oh, I want the guys to get together, but even Will at first, when he's upset that they don't want to play Dungeon and Dragon, they're they have girlfriends, he doesn't have a girlfriend, you know. But that's how that's how when that when they're reaching that with they like 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. that's when you start breaking away from some of your friends that you had when you were younger. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure we all had the same thing where it's like, Oh, I've moved on to different friends. So I like how they've done that. And I like how they're, they're t- taking all the store. It's, you know, obviously one, they have one thing they're trying to do, but it's four or five different stories going on. But I did want to point out that Eric at first, you think, she, you know, Ice cream for life—that's not a good deal. But Steve might be a lifer at uh, Scoop Boy, so <laughs> it might—it might be—it might, be, might be a good thing for her. But I—I yeah, I, I I, say she you doesn't, want to see them together, but it's like, eh. She doesn't have that in writing, but you <laughs> no. only assume, like you said, if Steve's working there, a dead end job the rest of his life, while his dad continues to teach him hard work, that she yeah. be able to just be like, "Don't worry, I know Steve, so he can get me free ice cream." Well, three dollars an hour. It's like, um, so, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, in, in. Talking about the them kind of being separate, I think as Colleen and I were watching it, uh, and and for those Lost fans out there, it's been done before. It's very risky 
to kind of separate the group. But it's kind of a classic thing writers do. That's um, a classic D&D trope. Don't yeah. separate the group. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Um, but a lot of times it's like, okay, I just want to see like the original gang back together. You know, I want them. But I think it really worked. And I think, Jack, you bring up a great point is that they kind of took relationships that were that they developed in previous seasons and, and allowed them to kind of flourish in these kind of separate pockets of, of these characters. Um, and, you know, I think uh, even though you haven't seen uh, the last four uh, epi- uh, chapters, Jack, we can all assume that they're going to get back together. Yeah, but because to- it's, it's one it's one goal. Yeah, um, but uh, but at the same time, like I've really watching it, I really have I enjoy the storylines. At no point when I was watching, I was like, oh, I kind of just want the, the whole gang back together because I think the different storylines that they have, and and the main ones, you know, are are uh, we have the Scoops Ahoy crew, we have uh, you know Eleven and and, and the rest of uh, the party, uh, and then we kind of have Joyce uh, and and Hopper. Um, but their their journeys and their stories are so interesting. They are kind of their own separate storylines but they all are getting to that same conclusion at the end but to me watching it i never and again it's only eight episodes so it doesn't probably doesn't feel as long but uh i i didn't feel that sense of like oh, i just want to see them all back together did, did you feel the same yeah. way mike yeah i agree i honestly forgot at one point like oh yeah i forgot that dustin was sort of like part of the main party and maybe it's just because the main party now has grown exponentially you know you obviously had the four main boys but now yep. you have 11 and you have max uh, and to your point, I think a big theme, especially in those first three episodes, and particularly with Will's character, yeah. is about this idea of growing apart, as yeah. Jack brought up. This idea of, especially when you get old, older and maybe your libido is turning you in different directions and you have different interests in a manner of speaking, maybe you find yourself not necessarily, you know, the last F in BFF might <laughs> be pending after a little while. And it's been a really interesting thing to watch because, again, we've seen these people be such close friends in the first couple seasons that to see them grow apart is, like, simultaneously interesting and heart-wrenching at the same time. And really, it's the latter because Stranger Things does a great job of building these characters. And to Mm -hmm. see them, you know, sort of at odds with one another, to see Will really cringily try to do this, like, day-without-girls wizard cosplay and then storm off and destroy Castle Byers, which was the big thing that, like, him and Jonathan built to sort of build walls around the fact that their father left and they had such a broken childhood. It was mm-hmm. just a really sad but strong symbol about how, you know, that's another form of growing up as well as if, if you feel like there are certain crutches or things you don't want to remember or things you don't need anymore. I just thought that was a really interesting storyline that I'm, I'm sure we'll get into as well. But yeah, I, I think having Dustin separated, it's been interesting as well because the, that storyline also feels like it sort of lives in a different genre. Again, I was talking about how there are some horror things that we'll definitely talk about, but I think for the first time really in Stranger Things, the entire Scoops Ahoy stuff is more so out of like a spy movie, yeah. which feels yeah. very, very different for the show. And and Jack, you probably you you know '80s movies better than anyone I know. But what what's that movie? Is it Red Dawn, where there's like uh, oh, uh, yeah, Russians in a small town or something like that that they have to? Well, the like... Russian the Russians invade America. Yeah. Um, but uh, and Red Dawn takes them. Out. I think they even referenced it in the show. Um, but yeah, and I think uh, there's a lot of uh, and again they had kind of the Ghostbusters thing last season, but that's kind of more of just a kind of a fun aside. Um, but the, to, there was a lot more direct influences outside of just horror. I mean, again, you had big thing references. I mean, they started with uh, uh, was it Dawn of the Dead? Um, yep, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, but yeah, the thing is a big is a big yep. thing with uh, the what the stuff that the Mind Flayers doing. Yep. It, it seems like they really are 
branching out to other pieces of 80s pop culture. Maybe it's just a response to the fact that they said, okay, we've been doing horror stuff for a while. It's starting to feel a little repetitive. How else can we tell this story? And I'll admit that's another reason why I was initially dissatisfied with the first two episodes is because they felt different. But now that I sort of realize what they're trying to do, I do have more appreciation for the fact that, yeah, this does feel different, but it sort of needs to feel different. Well, and, you know, uh, something that we haven't touched upon yet, but it's been a big part of this season. There's been a lot of really cool tie-ins. Uh, I mean, you had the Upside Down Whopper. Uh, you have uh, uh, the USS well, Butterscotch. Wait, I, don't, I don't think I've seen the Upside Down Whopper. Uh, it was kind of a short kind of thing they did. Um, <laughs> and uh, Or you could just literally do it yourself. Just take a Whopper yeah. and flip it upside down. That's all it was. But it was in the box. <laughs> but um, but uh, And then the USS Butterscotch and uh, is at Baskin-Robbins. Plus a couple other cool uh, Stranger Things uh, themed. Uh, but one of the things that is they brought back new Coke. Uh, to uh, uh, Coca-Cola did, and they kind of sold it on their website. They've had a couple of vending machines like, and to do it. Um, but I, I, that's kind of like to what you're saying is uh, it, it is the same, but it's new and it's kind of cool, uh, the, the parallel uh, for a new Coke. But it's kind of funny that they chose new Coke because uh, that there was just such – it's one of those famous uh, instances of a company getting it horribly wrong. And some people argue that they got it absolutely right because it made them sell more original Coke. But uh, <laughs> either Maybe way – but they they changed the formula and people absolutely flipped out. But in this case, they did uh, tweak the formula a little bit, and I think it was for the better because I thought the season as a whole was a really good season. So, did you end up getting? I think you. I saw you post that on social media that you. I think you got a yes. couple of like the new Coke bottles. Did you try it at all? Oh yeah. So I. Uh, uh, I think they're still on the website. I think it's like newcoke.com or something but it's like a four pack and you get two of like the retro new coke cans and that's the the original new coke formula that you can try uh how and, was it uh it's good like if you like diet coke diet coke is actually based off of the new coke uh formula because that's when diet coke came out uh before uh that tab was their main diet drink but um uh, so if you like Diet Coke, it's very similar. It, it's it's more Pepsi-like, so it's a bit sweeter, which is what they're going for because Pepsi was kind of becoming a really popular or was kind of challenging Coca-Cola in terms of popularity in the 80s. Cola Wars. Yes, the Cola Wars. Uh, so, uh, But, it, you know, it's not earth-shatteringly different or anything, or it's not as cool as, say, clear Crystal Pepsi. Uh, but it was fun. We, I, you know, I was like, okay, I want to drink. We got them in the fridge. We're going to drink these for... Uh, when we when we start the show but it's it's cool it's it's just to me i love the tie-in things because again it kind of does harken back to uh the 80s and you know all the tie-ins that they used to have back then you know you had the cereals and uh and the toys and the happy meal i mean just there was so much uh life was good in the 80s well it, it was yeah. it, the commercialization of that era was such that like so many people walked away still so emotionally attached to these franchises uh, because they, they, they kind of got us hooked so strong uh, during that time. I mean, the fast food chains were the best place to go play in the playgrounds to get the toys. And if you watch cartoons, it was to sell more toys. So they made really good consumers uh, back there in the 80s that is still kind of uh, stuck with us, including the Duffer Brothers uh, that we see here. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 was, was I was craving Doritos during one episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When, the, when they were the, when the boys were moping, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Even Jack, even though it was producing certain gases from them, <laughs> I, it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I think to your point, Jay, I think that's also represented through the fact that season three 
a lot of the focus, at least from the Scoops Ahoy crew, takes place in a mall. Yep. And that's one of the big conflicts as well, sort of on the sidelines here, is yet another new character, Mayor Klein, and by played by Carrie Elways in his most like smarmy fashion, <laughs> is that you know the mall is shutting down all these stores downtown because they're sort of centralizing and commercializing commerce. Right. Yeah. And that's it, sort of like ironically what they're doing with Stranger Things merchandise on the outside of it. Yeah. And, and to me, I think that's where uh, it's good and bad because uh, it's fun to be able to let your nerd flag fly and kind of show allegiance to uh, these things that you enjoy. Uh, but it, it, it can uh, be a double-edged sword. Uh, but, you know, it, everything ebbs and flows, and now you've seen uh, malls uh, kind of disintegrate and, and commerce and everything kind of going back into city centers. Um, so it, it is, uh, you know, fascinating to see. Uh, and uh, But to me, I, I, I dig it. I, I've, I love – well, there's also a podcast uh, blog that I really love, Dinosaur Dracula, and they do – one called uh, the purple stuff podcast and they kind of really they went out and did all the things because they've had a lot of like special tie-ins in new york city and stuff like that mm. but they i think they really nailed all the special uh tie-in stuff uh for this season because i think in coney island they actually recreated uh the fun fair uh that uh, Cl- uh mayor klein uh, put together so and uh, in, in coney island i believe um so yeah i it's cool i'm i'm i am primed uh to consume uh these things as i get ready to go to comic-con and buy a bunch <laughs> of stuff i don't need <laughs> um so let's uh let's talk a little bit about billy and uh mrs wheeler uh but just kind of his turn here um uh, from in the beginning of this uh chapter one into chapter four and of course he's going to be one of the big bads all season uh but billy who is probably one of the more controversial characters uh in season two uh in that one people didn't like him because he was a jerk but i think we even talked about it on our podcast where uh we were frustrated it kind of concluded and it was like what was his purpose like why was he there why was i mean right there's a lot of arguments about max too like what did they really did they did they need to be there um and uh in this season and i I know jack you haven't gone to five six seven eight but i i think they've used him better uh in this season um uh and and i'd be curious to see maybe how fans perceive uh his story arc um and and how they and how it went uh in season three yeah jack how how do you feel about it because yeah we were none of us i think were exactly fans of the billy characterization in season two and so when we found out that he didn't die in season two we were sort of scratching our heads, though I guess I don't know how far the Duffers were planning in advance, but I do wonder if they were thinking about using Billy for a higher purpose, in this case, really making him the Mind Flayer's main puppet. Yeah, I agree, because I, I was like, oh, Billy's still here? <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. Why do we, why do we have Billy? But, it, but you know, through Except four episodes, I go, candy, okay, now I, now I see why we have Billy. He's, he's, he's the hot lifeguard. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that's another, yet another reference was like they were making, you know, the first episode, that pool stuff was very like Sandlot or like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like mm-hmm. slow, slow mo, teenage <laughs> wasteland right. type of stuff. Uh, where you know, the mom's Karen Wheeler was, and that's another thing that I think the Duffer brothers are really building on that scene that everyone actually seemed to like. Maybe the only Billy scene that yes. people were fans of was when he flirted with Mrs. Wheeler in the season two finale. They're like, Yeah, let's do more of that, at least for like a hot second. Uh, so they do have Mrs. Wheeler like 
lusting after him and nearly leaving her family to have an affair with this man? <laughs> I, I know we haven't seen a lot of, of, of Karen the Wheeler. Luckily, the dad was snoring but holding his daughter. Yeah. yeah, but that's also like, if she had really left at that moment to go see Billy, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about Mrs. Wheeler. Because I feel like that's a moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I have a family. As much yeah. of a fuddy-duddy as Ted Wheeler is. So <laughs> I was a little nervous as to where they were going with it. We also have the, this weird scene. And, like, we go from that and Billy saying, stay away from me, to episode four where she has this interesting talk with nancy where yep. i love the content and i love the fact that this season has made an effort to concentrate more on female relationships yep. you know we have that with max and 11 and we have that with this scene i'd say i like the former more than the latter like i appreciate the content of this scene but this scene came out of nowhere mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and and, and um it's it's it may have been a victim of just trying to kind of move it along because you you did go from beginning to where she's like ready to you know uh have an affair with a, a much younger man uh and then yeah going to uh you know confidant of of um of nancy um but to me like i was it could have been a wake-up call I, I was it maybe maybe yeah. That, yeah maybe it was a wake-up call maybe it was like well maybe she needed to uh, be more engaged or she just saw it and to me like i was fine with it I, I really liked it i liked that that moment between uh mother and daughter uh uh and kind of uh, that encouragement uh, that she was given uh, but i also say at watching it and uh you know enjoying the fan uh fiction around uh, uh mrs wheeler and billy i was i was also still kind of hoping that uh, they would uh, hook up in a i guess a bad because both colleen are like come on but no no it, wow. it didn't happen wow <laughs> it's Jeez. a tv it's not real it's a um, it's a motel six I mean, well you know, know it's it's like soap operas you know it's just like ooh, steamy whatever but but, uh, then, but i mean but, but i think people would have not liked mrs wheeler oh that. i know i get i'm fine it she did the right thing Jeez, jay my god she has yeah, kids and, and she billy, has a family billy hooked up in a different way uh he found somebody else <laughs> oh, but god. that's a great point that you make that i think that if you sort of fill in the blanks between episode two and four you could see that maybe she felt like oh man i almost you know, hooked up with this guy. What does that say about not only, you know, my life or like what the assumption behind women is in these types of romantic trysts. And maybe that's what she sort of approaches Nancy about and her attitude about how, you know, we might be kicked down in this world, but we're going to fight our way back, which again is a really cool conversation. I just kind of wish like Cara Bono is a great actress. I would have loved to see more Karen Wheeler, mm -hmm. even in these four episodes in general. Cause I think that that's a really cool storyline but I feel like you have to fill in a lot of blanks yep. to get there. Whereas maybe if we had spent, you know, some more time just dedicated to maybe her track, because this is the most we've seen of the character and she's still a main cast member and she's still only been in like, you know, a handful of episodes. But here's but. the thing. If we, if they did like a side, like just a standalone episode of just Karen Wheeler, like the, uh, the internet would uh, have blown up. Like, why do I want to focus on this? <laughs> so I, I, yeah, it's one of those things like, yeah, you could give more. It's just I just don't know how you do it in eight episodes. And they maybe they're maybe a bit uh, gun shy to kind of put more into that uh, after the the pushback. Was it episode chapter seven of season two? Was yeah. the eleven episode? Yeah, because there because there were nine episodes in ep in season two because they yep. took that one episode to do the standalone Chicago thing. Yep. Um, which, I, I still don't get the hate, but that's just me. Uh, which this season, uh, you know, we in, in at least in the first four chapters, we have not seen. Uh, much payoff to any of that yet. 
Um, but uh, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, let's see. But okay, so Billy becomes the puppet for the. How do we like this whole mind flare and and how uh, he was approached uh, in this season? To me, I uh, have. I loved it way more than Mind Flayer in season two because season two just mm-hmm. felt very like he was there, but he wasn't really there. Um, and it just didn't have the same uh, punch or feel that the Demogorgon had in season one. And in season three, the Mind Flayer and just this kind of really gross uh, turning rats in, in, into putty or whatever oh, to yeah. kind of make himself. I To me, and, and now using these kind of uh, his own zombies or the flayed as his puppets um uh what is way cooler i think is a much better foil or or big bad uh beast uh for the people to go up against this time yeah i completely agree i absolutely love it because i think one of the problems with season two again they were sort of repeating a similar type of formula where it's like okay here's another big bad monster this one is more of a thing of like much like the thing what what do you do when you can't trust your neighbor? Yeah, you know, again, right. maybe, maybe in line with the Russian stuff as well. This idea that these people are getting turned into zombies in a manner of speaking, and you don't necessarily know. I mean, that's what happened to poor Heather's parents. They yeah. thought their daughter and her new boyfriend were totally fine when really they were serving uh, a higher purpose. Yeah. I also love it because it gives Dacre Montgomery some more stuff to do. We don't just have a one-note Billy. We see so many shades of him from him completely changing personalities when he uh, meets with Heather and her parents. We see, yeah. like, button-up polo shirt Billy. He's a, like, he's a likable guy. Yeah, he's very... <laughs> to when they lock him in the sauna and he is begging and pleading with Max. I know there's some debate as to, like, whether or not that was him or whether that was the mind flare speaking through him. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the former. I feel like he is being very sincere and that he does have regrets about, you know, him kidnapping all these people. But... I think it's just such a fun idea because I think it's what they were trying to do with Billy in season two of like, what if there's a horror that's not even supernatural? It's, you know, the humanity, the horrors of humanity. And I feel like they did a much better job of it here where I'm, I was kind of glad we're ending with episode four because if you're looking at like a nice intermission point, there's a mm-hmm. fantastic one at the end of season four where you hear that song play and it just pans out to all these zombified people standing in the basement of that ironworks. And it just shows the amassing army that our heroes are going to be up against. It's a really chilling image and not just because the mind flare likes it cold, but I, I really am liking how they're taking on the, the big bads of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, kind of Nancy's uh, sleuthing kind of t- ties into that as well with the kind of Mrs. Driscoll, uh, and kind of what goes on with her. A very creepy one, Ugh. the base having a basement <laughs> and then the rat thing. And then Mrs. Driscoll kind of being down. And, and the whole time I was like, oh, God, please don't go down. And then and then you see her. Um, fertilizer. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's such a creepy. That, it, that can't be healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, or it's very healthy. <laughs> uh, for Nancy uh, and Jonathan and their kind of storyline here. And then the discovery of Mrs. Driscoll. Um, you know, what are. Uh, what are uh, thoughts here, especially last season kind of had them pairing up. Uh, we had, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the pull out, uh, couch, uh, option, uh, provided to them or whatever. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, to me again, if there was weird kind of pacing or maybe feel to season two, like I really like their kind of uh, journey and story and Nancy trying to prove herself and Jonathan maybe didn't have as much to do, um, but I, but I dug uh, their kind of little storyline they had as well, and the D- Miss Mrs. Driscoll stuff. 
Well, can I do the? I know we have the sexist news guys of the of the eighties, mm-hmm. but are they unaware that things have been happening in that town? Apparently, apparently. I mean, do they have no clue? I mean, are there people that are living there that don't know certain things are happening in that town? Well, because I'm trying to remember. I mean, they saw at the end of season two, Hawkins Lab get shut down by the government and Barb yeah. dying to like the chemical leak. So maybe they just thought in like the six months that happened in between that, like, okay, things have gone back to normal. Because yeah, it does seem like Nancy's trying to pitch these weird things, and maybe it's just the inherent sexism within these guys, but they are right. totally shrugging her off. Calling, yeah, her I, Nancy, calling her Nancy Drew and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, old uh, Busey Jr. There, I don't know. I I see where <laughs> you're coming from, Jay. I I'm not a fan of the storyline, pretty much because of this. Like this feels a little too over the top and repetitive. And I know that we're supposed to hate these guys, and my heart goes out to Nancy. And I know it's probably a weird sense of waters to navigate with the Duffers as to like, okay, now that the will there or won't they has been solved with Nancy or Jonathan, what the heck are you going to have them do? I, I think that, you know, the fact that they're starting to, like, combine their storylines, hopefully, with some of the other characters soon is a good thing. Because I, I don't know, th- this storyline was not doing it necessarily for me in the first four episodes. And maybe it's just because those those jerks in the newsroom are just such <laughs> ignoramuses that, like, I never wanted to act any, I never wanted to go there and see what they were doing. Uh, that's that's fair. Uh, and, and you kind of see the frustration um, but again, it's a small town paper, so that's where I kind of like chalked up like, well, maybe they're just not really paying attention because small town papers generally aren't trying to break the big story. It's more like uh, people pieces, right? Or like but, interest but, but, pieces. But again, I, I go to the the fact that one of them had to know something was going sure, on. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's like okay, well, could this be happening again? I mean, no, but they would rather make fun of Nancy. There's yeah, no mustard on my hamburger. Find the missing mustard. Ah. I mean. <laughs> Dude, dude needs to be punched in the face. Well, and, and again, you know, if uh, we saw uh, Heather's parents there getting, I mean, maybe just provides more fun uh, if they're, you know, also uh, flayed bad people uh, down the road because you already yeah. hate them. Jack, what did you think? Because we end off the four episodes on Nancy and Jonathan getting in this argument where, you know, they both get fired in this really kind of trippy scene where uh, Heather's dad ends up firing them. Uh, what did you think about, you know, the way that they fought about the, just sort of the, the representation of the fact that they are sort of from two different sides of the track? They uh, are, but you... it, it was weird because they're both right. <laughs> you know, she's right that you you should be trying to do more. But he's like, you know, I have I have helped pay a mortgage. I have, you know, I don't have a, a dad that makes six figures. I don't have. So I saw this. I saw both sides of the argument. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, again, it's a representation of the fact that they are sort of from different households and from different styles. I think Nancy, because of what she's been afforded, has this really pie in the sky idea of like, yeah, I can do whatever I, I I can set my mind to. I just need to work hard for it. Whereas Jonathan, I think he quite literally says like the weird world sucks deal yeah. with it like the rest of us. He's been beaten down so much that I think he just has a pretty pessimistic view of things to the point where he was really holding on to that job and pretty much tried to encourage Nancy every step of the way to put her head down and keep working. So I did like that moment because it's a good representation of the fact that they're probably going to get back together because I, I can't see the Duffer brothers really splitting up characters for a long time, but it's a good reminder of like, these people come from two completely different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Well, he was, he was the guy that Steve would, was talking, you know, the, the geek guys at school that he would, and obviously he made fun of them season one. I mean, until Jonathan kicked his butt, but, uh, 
Yeah, I think I think I think that he was he, like he said he's he's always been on the outside. He has a loving mom, but a dad that's not there and all the other stuff going on. So, yeah, I saw I saw his point one hundred percent. But I also saw Nancy's like you know she goes I want I don't want to be you know uh, dealing with these sexist men. I want to you know I I have talent and I should be able to show my talent. But like I said, he didn't want to get fired because he needed the job. I mean you know yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about Joyce and Hopper. Uh, you know Joyce obviously. Uh, dealing uh, with the fallout from season two um, and uh, still hasn't moved on uh, and, and understandably so. Uh, and uh, oh, <laughs> Hopper having to deal with a growing uh, teenage daughter and her annoying boyfriend um, and uh, how it kind of leads them uh, to kind of discover uh, th- this Russian plot. Uh, and I love how again each season has its kind of fun, like with the lights, and then we had the the uh, the drawing of the tunnels, and then this season had the magnets. Which, again, this might just be an eighties nineties things, but I remember so many people had those like little fruit magnets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, those, I know you, those you, magnets. You, you you had to have them. <laughs> They're standard issue, right? Yeah, yeah you, I'm sure. My- and they didn't come out with any other types of magnets besides fruit back then. <laughs> they look, they look down on you. People walk in your house. Oh, you don't have fruit magnets. Uh, and it also okay. is a great way uh, to bring in uh, uh, what's I'm blanking on his name, the science teacher, uh, Mr. Clark. Mr. Oh. Yes, Mr. Clark, uh, which was awesome. I love that uh, we had uh, Weird Al Yankovic playing, and he was just like nerding yes. out, painting his. Uh, I just I love love love. <laughs> Uh, how they brought him into this because again it's summertime so it's like okay are you gonna get uh, a scene with him and and we did and it was probably one of his best ones um, but uh, but yeah I, I again four chapters in uh, I one it's it there is this kind of Sam and Diane uh, moonlighting uh, kind of vibe uh, between the two of them uh, the sexual tension is there but Joyce obviously is still reeling and uh hopper is hopper so who knows how that's going to work out but uh and hopper Hopper gets beat up by drago (laughs) or i I, that was very much like a russian terminator vibe i mean i yeah it was almost beating you over the head with it uh but i really dig that as well just like another kind of big a human bad uh that uh they're kind of going up against but how did uh, how did joyce get hopper back though what do you oh like got him back to the house Uh, Uh, tbd TBD. Uh, no, okay. no, she might have. She might have some mom strength as okay. well. All right. Because uh, Hawk yeah. is big boy, so. Uh... Yeah, and I think that maybe one of the reasons why I wasn't a big fan of the first two episodes, uh, as compared to the other ones, was I thought Hopper was a little too cartoony in the first two episodes, especially when dealing with the Eleven stuff. I can understand how he had a daughter before, but he never had a teenage daughter. But it felt a little too much like a, a Tim Allen type of thing of like, oh, I don't know how to talk to my daughter. I'll approach it like, yeah, I'll approach it like an angry cop. And it led to a lot of comedy, but it maybe was a little too over the top. But David Harbour has been like chewing up the scenery. And I do feel like once episode three kicks in and him and Joyce start getting onto this case with the magnets and Russia and everything, that he does transform back into the hopper that we know and love. So like we talked about before, it's something different. That maybe I didn't appreciate the first time around, but knowing his entire arc, even in these four episodes, I, I can I can tolerate the temporary uh, dive into <laughs> insanity that Hopper has here. But I, you know, because I, I, Mike's kind of a Mike's a dick. Let's just say in that first episode, yeah, he's a big yeah, dick. He, he's just I I I punch him too. I mean, I, he's just <laughs> he, he's yelling at Hopper. He's like, you know, I just like man, that's that's not the way to go, Mike. Yeah, Mike's always Mike's always angry. He is. He is. But uh, it's just like. Ah, 
Back off, Mike. At least, uh, and we'll we'll get into Mike in a in a second. But at least he's not like emo season two, Mike. He's just kind of a dick, Mike. No, no, he's he's just a, he's a he's a typical teenage, you know. Yeah, know it all. You, you can't touch me. You'll go to yeah. jail type thing. It's like you know why we're in the middle of nowhere, man. I'm the I'm the chief of police. I do what I want. Yeah, and then, and then there was a funny moment there where he uh, feigns that his nana is sick to like put him in a, a truck and then essentially just scream at him about stay away from my daughter. Yeah, which worked. Um, and again, I, you know, it is, it is, uh, it is a trope. It is almost stereotypical, but, um, and it, it, but it's, it's kind of true to Hopper's character though, where especially, you know, last season as well, he, he lost his daughter and, uh, and, and clearly he's not quite able to handle his own emotions in life and, and especially losing his daughter and he hasn't been able to process those well. So it, it only, it, to me, it makes sense to his character that he's not going to be the type of dad that uh, is very in touch with his feelings and is able to kind of communicate through those feelings, et cetera, et cetera. And it's adorable that uh, Joyce tried to get him to do this heart to art thing when you just know he's just not going to be able to do it. Uh, and so to me, it, it didn't seem, I didn't mind it as much, but I do, I could understand, especially if you're like going episode by episode uh, and kind of spacing it out. Um, where that can be uh, a little uh, over the top or frustrating, um, but I think in general it did it it didn't go to a place where he drove, uh, or at least seems so far he didn't drive eleven away, uh, so much as uh, you know possibly kind of make for a healthier relationship between Mike and Eleven uh, because of it. So um, I, I I was more okay with it. I think. Yeah, though he did, I guess. He was so Mike was so scared of repercussions that he did lead to him and L getting uh you know broken up with yeah. for the first time. They're not on the Lucas and Max <laughs> level yet, but it did lead to the first major thing where Mike is so petrified. I do feel like episode two, Mike does tra- he was so suave in that first episode. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Jack, a little bit of a dick. But that second episode, I feel like once it gets like the life scared out of him, he's back to like, oh my nana's sick. Uh, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't see you ever again. And so it's fun to see Mike's character sort of, as much as he wasn't emo Mike, he's a little bit of like a whiny wire girl speak crazy Mike. But at the same time, I can't really like critique a lot of the teenage boy characters because you can really chalk it up to the fact that teenage boys, as we all have been, are pretty stupid and pretty emotional. Uh, So I think all the character choices from those people make sense, even if they aren't, you know. Even right. if they aren't the most fun, they're they're realistic almost to a fault. Well, and yeah, and that's where you know, just being a teenage boy, being an, a teenage nerd boy, uh, like a lot of these scenes or these moments spoke a, a lot to me. Like Will and and I was Will at one point in time where I still wanted to do these nerdy things, and you know, in that kind of transitionary phase where I had other friends that you know didn't want to do it, and I felt like I was like, no, we should still do this fun nerdy thing, and 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 people are moving on. So I was like, oh my god, it's like it's bringing back so many feels uh, from junior high, uh, Jay, uh, uh, that I could actually you know really connect to, and then also, you know, just. Uh, relationships uh, as a teenager are just so uh, it's funny in the moment or when you're in them are so life and death but with you know the retrospect of time it's just like you realize how silly and stupid uh, you were as a teenager (laughs) I was was gonna say I said I go when Mike was screaming at his mom like that I go I couldn't relate to that because if I was screaming at my mom like that I wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now (laughs) Yeah, but that's also Karen Wheeler, who, as he talked 
in the beginning of the podcast is ready to let her kids run away for a week and say, <laughs> yeah. "Oh yeah, they're at, I'm they're at, they're at Will's house. I'm sure it's fine." Yeah. It's also on this really interesting level, and this was experienced with uh, Arya in this most recent season of Game of Thrones, where like, I'll admit it's a little weird to see Eleven and Mike, you know, make out. I think it's only because, as we saw in the flashbacks in episode three, when Will is sort of pontificating on things, we've seen them from such a young age that it's weird to see them kind of grow up. Mm-hmm. But I, that's sort of the point of it as well. And that's another thing you, you need to get adjusted to is that these are not kids yeah. anymore. They're, they're trying to adapt into this weird sort of in-between state of minds, much like between being a person and being a flayed person mm-hmm. uh, in a manner of speaking. Puberty is flaying them, I suppose. That, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, it was crazy to open up the season aside from the Russian stuff on, you know, Mike and Eleven making out just mm-hmm. because, I, I don't know, for some reason I didn't have that image in my mind until, until we saw it. Well, it's almost like, and I love how, again, anytime you have, like, especially a child cast, uh, you're, once you hit puberty, it's going to be really, you can't keep having them play because, again, you look at Mike. Mike looks like a freaking grown ass man compared to season one. Mike, um, he's like six ten. Yeah, he's, I mean they're all like you know grown up, and uh, but I I love that they have kind of adjusted the years. You know, season one's eighty three, season two's eighty four, uh, season three's eighty five. Like they've adjusted the timeline in the show to like their ages, um, and it and it it works. Like I think it it it. it absolutely works with uh the age change and, and making where they're at in that age part of you know the plot and the story um and uh a, a pairing that uh, i liked is the the max and 11 pairing because yes. um, again there's a lot of frustrations i think maybe with max in season one like where you know we liked that we got another character but it was like what do we really do with her um and i really dug uh especially and i i know maybe Maybe Mike, you had a different feeling. You didn't really enjoy them all. So I love their kind of scene in the mall, just in terms of Eleven kind of coming into her own, uh, where she's always been, you know, either she had Papa telling her what to do or she had Hopper and then she had Mike um, and her kind of finding out what what actually does Eleven uh, like or what does Elle like? And I I kind of really dug the pairing of Max and Eleven to kind of help her get to that. I I agree, though. I love that pairing because it's also – Coming from a very interesting perspective, let's remember season two, we had that scene where like Eleven did end up escaping the cabin for a hot second and went to go see, happened to walk in on uh, Mike teaching like Max teaching Mike how to skateboard. Mm -hmm. And then she like makes, she falls. uh, And so it seems like there's a really like strained relationship when they meet, but I love them coming together. Max sort of showing her the ways of the world. I love the the theming of Eleven to your point, Jay, finding her identity where, you know, it's even represented through her hairstyles as to, like, she's been yeah. dictated what to wear and how to look and who to be. But who does she want to be at the end of the day, I think, is something really fun. I think the thing that maybe made episode two, uh, you know, t- took away from me, at least at least in the first viewing, was that maybe this is a hot take. I kind of don't care about the Mike and L relationship. Like, I was never a big shipper of the two. Maybe it's just because, like, its analogs are, you know, E.T. and Elliot that I never really thought like, oh, what if they hooked up? You know, so I don't never really was like, oh, I'm rooting for you two kids. So the fact that episode two was really revolving around the fact that like they had strife was not something I really was pumped up about. Yeah. Even though it did bring us up this Mike and Eleven pairing, which I feel like they do a great job laying the groundwork in episode two so that in episode three, when they're on the case trying to find Billy, it's yep. a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um. Yeah, that, uh, and 
how they're going on that path while uh and mike uh lucas and mike and lucas are you know wallowing in in their own self-pity uh around why their girls dumped them uh and will having his frustrations um uh to me i i really dug it i really dug it um and uh you know if if mike and will maybe this uh i'm sorry mike and um l are these maybe idealized, super lovey-dovey uh, couples? Uh, I love the Lucas Max relationship, where Lucas is like a horrible boyfriend, and uh, Max uh, is, but she's in power and she doesn't mind because at least you know she's definitely in the driver's seat there. But I, I, I really found literally her remember funny. when she drove at the end of last season. Yes, yeah, so she, uh, right, she has yeah. experience. Um, but uh, you know. Uh, I think that covers most of the character arcs here. And I, we do kind of get to get to the conclusion of it, at least in this, the end of chapter four. Uh, but one of the big, it opened in the season uh, with involving the Russians. Uh, and, um, uh, and it's a big kind of shift in terms of um, beyond this monster, uh, you know, seasons one and two, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the U S government's, uh, you know, doing uh, shady stuff. And in, in this season, and, you know, we presume maybe going forward, we don't know for sure yet, but, uh, the Russians, uh, being brought in, uh, is as the new kind of governmental, uh, force, um, is a pretty bold choice. Uh, and, It'd be interesting to see how they played off because, you know, we, this is during the Cold War. It's definitely t- tailing off of the Cold War, uh, but you're still in the thick of it. And the fact that if in real life, if this had happened, this would be huge. And, of course, the, the U.S. government would cover it up if they were able to kind of get it all figured out. But, I mean, that's gigantic. Maybe it did, maybe it did happen. Uh, maybe. I, hey, maybe it did. But um, it, a pretty interesting uh, take. I really enjoyed it. Um, just in terms of, you know, uh, post-World War II, the big bad from a U.S. perspective is, is the Russians. So, oh, yeah. um, uh, it, it works. Uh, but, uh, what are, what are your all's thoughts? Well, I, I liked it because, you know, growing up, obviously growing up when I grew up in the sixties and seventies, you, you were told every day that the, you know, the Russians were going to blow us up. So having that, you know, that distrust for the Russians, it, it fits into the, it just fit in perfectly. I, 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 I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah. At, I first, was... at first I did. I'm sorry, Mike. I did first. I didn't yeah. know when the, we see the opening scene. I figured those were Americans. Oh yeah. It wasn't until after we, after they start speaking is I go, Oh, they're Russians. Ah, okay. Yeah. I think that it's over the top, but I like it. I think that maybe that was another thing that maybe took away from, uh, you know, or made me sort of, it turned my head a bit in the first couple episodes was like, Oh, we're going to the Russians. This seems a little <laughs> stereotypical eighties. Cause that's, I think they mentioned it at one point in the yep. first couple seasons, but the fact that we were actually going that direction is super interesting. And I think Jay, that's a great point that this is sort of going to be our substitute for the Hawkins lab side of things that mm-hmm. we got in the first two seasons. And again, I think this is the best representation of the fact that they are doing something completely different. You know, the fact that they have these coded messages, even though, I don't know if it's good on Robin or bad on the Russians that she cracked their code within like an hour. Uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely weren't uh, covering their bases uh, so well. But uh, I mean, 
Yeah, and the, and the fact, and you know, Joyce and Hopper, and again, Hopper, you know, being a uh, you know top top level Hopper, figured it out or recognized the term the Russian Terminator uh, in the mayor's office and was able to kind of go back and follow that thread. Um, but you know, mayor Klein basically selling out, uh, his town to the Russians. That's, that's gigantic. I mean, I know, you know, you have politician. Well, you know, if we're the mayor from jaws is off, uh, considered uh, one of the worst mayors ever, but this one, uh, might take the cake. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, getting, uh, the, the Russians to, uh, you know, construct something, with a mall in mind, perhaps they even built the mall to cover up yeah. something is just a ridiculous concept. <laughs> but again, it's very like pure eighties. And so if you buy into that uh, and the sort of the, the different turn that it takes with the stranger things, uh, just the general straight stranger things storytelling, it's a lot of fun. And now that we do have this Terminator like figure who is sort of just <laughs> skulking around the town, sort of being like, you know, we saw him in the cold open as the uh, the basically the hitman for this like comrade general guy. So you can only assume, I guess, he's trying to like keep the peace or keep people's mouths shut that might be onto them. Though again, considering how loose lipped they might be, they, I'm surprised more people haven't figured out that code. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the newsmen wouldn't figure it out. Well, so. it- I also love that. <laughs> I also love that uh, uh, that basically Murray from uh, season two was right, right? Because that was his big thing that it was like the oh, Russians. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, done it. So you know, is is Murray vindicated here? Or I mean, it wasn't the case, but maybe the Russians were already a part of this uh, that we didn't even know. I mean, that that scene opened up in uh, was it June of '84? So it was uh, yeah, it what was, like uh, six I think months a few after? Months be- yeah, a few months before. The events of season because i think season two took place in october, october 1984 yeah. so i think that uh this took place a few months before but yeah they're given this timeline of a year so i guess they found this nice little window of like hey there aren't any weird things going on right now in the spring let's petition to uh you know move in on this turf and install our giant flashy thing to uh <laughs> do something with the upside down yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is ridiculous. It is over the top, but I think it it, it makes for a really fun uh, uh, story, and especially with the the uh, ships ahoy crew. Uh, <laughs> find I mean, in episode or chapter four, them going down the elevator, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, and uh, you know that's going to lead to trouble, I assume. Uh, but uh, I think it's awesome, and. Uh, uh, and again, uh, Murray, you, you are vindicated, my friend. I would say that, again, your mileage may vary as to how grounded this season has been so far. It might be akin to like plummeting in an elevator where there is no ground. But I will say even through four episodes and even through my quibbles with the first two episodes initially, especially coming back and rewatching these things, I'm having so much more fun yes. with season three than I do season two. Yep. And that's what really counts for me is that, yes, we might have gone in a completely different direction, but at the same time, I am enjoying the hell out of all this stuff that's going on, even yep. if it's cheesy, even if it's corny, even if it is over the top, uh, because I'd rather do that and have them, you know, swing a wiffle ball than to have them try to keep swinging baseballs and keep missing, even though yep. their bat has a bunch of nails in it. <laughs> nice. Very nice. And yeah, I, I would agree. Like to me, uh, if, if a couple episodes in and, and really we're, we're talking about the first four here, um, a much different viewing experience. And again, I liked season two. I think season two had problems. I think it classic kind of sophomore slump. I think, you know, we could also say Westworld yep. had problems in season two, some great points, great spots. 
but you know, overall, did not did, was not able to match uh, the magic of, of season one. And uh, to me, uh, I I and again, I've seen all of season three of Stranger Things so far. Um, and maybe it is spoiler to say that I loved it. You know, I, I absolutely love season three. Um, and uh, f- and you know, it is different, but to me, hit a lot of this, or I felt a lot of the same emotions that I felt in watching season one. And even though it is a different feel, different pacing, uh, I I think they, to me, kind of, it worked. It worked the way I'd wanted it to work. And um, excited to talk about the last four chapters. Excited for you, Jack, to see those last four chapters. uh, So we can kind of wrap up this uh, season of Stranger Things. Do we know if season four is confirmed or anything like that yet? I would assume so. I, I feel like because I know uh, Netflix. I know there's been a lot of stuff about how uh, you know some of their models have been like make three seasons and then cancel it. But I feel like Stranger Things is such a big phenomenon, even three seasons in, that I think it would be foolish to cancel it at this point. Especially since the Duffer Brothers said they have like four or five seasons of ideas yep. in the can. It's not like they're going to go on forever. Just give them the, give them those couple of seasons, and then they'll be able to you know make gold with that hay yeah exactly i think you know and i think yeah they said they're done after five or something like that so um and i'm totally fine with that because i think uh you can't just do this type of show in in perpetuity um and 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 be really kind of and again you only have so many years in the 80s to do it as well so (laughs) you're gonna run out of years in the 80s we're already we're already halfway through it almost yeah Uh, Jack, I'd be inclined to find out from you since, again, you haven't watched the second half of the season so far. But I guess now that you're they're at the midway point, what's your temperature on the season so far, personally? Well, I was like you. The first couple episodes, I go, oh, okay. And I liked Jack. Oh, they're not going to be together. Okay. But then as I think episode three, like I think you said, Mike, it really, I said, okay, now I'm in. I, I mean, I didn't hate the first two episodes, but I wasn't like, oh, this is this is great. This is fantastic. But three and four really got me, and I said, oh, God, I can't wait to watch five, but I have to wait. So I didn't realize I didn't have to wait. But anyway, so <laughs> I, I, uh, I really enjoyed the last two. The Three and four have been really good, really, really good. I mean, it's just, there's so much going on. Like, you forget that, I think it might have been Jay that said, that you forget Dustin's not with the group anymore because he's working so well with Steve. So, yeah, I'm in. I, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I can't wait to go finish the uh, season. Yeah, and I think also, you know, uh, not to spoil it for you, Jack, but I think what also helps is you don't have an, a chapter seven that season two had that kind of completely puts brakes on the momentum that was going on and you had to kind of get back into it. No, like basically, yeah, at chapter three, from that point on, it doesn't stop. It does not stop until the end. Uh, and it is an incredibly emotional uh, roller coaster. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, you know, a good summer uh, ride at a at a fair, uh, which we might be seeing uh, later uh, in uh, these next four episodes. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of really fun things to talk about, a lot of interesting things to see, a lot more interesting choices that the show is going to make yes. that I cannot wait to hear your reactions about and break it down sometime, you know, in the next several days or so. I will. I will say this though. I think we talked about before about Billy. Like, I said, you know, why is he here? What the character? I don't like him. I, I can't stand him. But after the scene in the in the sauna, I don't want him to die. Mm. 
Hmm, I mean, I, I, he's he because I, I I think he was being sincere. I mm-hmm. think he was like he was doing terrible things that he didn't want to do. I, I that's what I believe, and I and also with the way Max was looking at because season one you could see that he, he they just hated each other, mm-hmm. but it's almost yeah. like you could see that okay there was some love between the two, yeah. And whatever their whatever their backstory is, um, we don't really know, but there is. So I go, oh, don't kill Billy. Yeah. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. I, you kind of hope that he's going to be all right in the end. But I don't, again, I don't know because I haven't seen it. But you know, he gets thrown through the bricks and you know, he runs away. But it's just like, it's funny how you can go from just I don't even want to see this character anymore to oh, don't kill him off. I like Billy now. Huh? Well, it's also fun as well because I think this is also his showdown with Eleven. Even though it was a hot second, is a nice representation of the fact that it seems like Eleven might have met her match here. Right. Usually she can use her big old psychic powers to like bend anyone to her will, but you know she throws this barbell at him and he you know uses his Hulk strength to to throw it off of himself, which nobody was able to do before. So it does seem like you know now that the Mind Flayer has eyed Eleven and remembered what Eleven did to the Mind Flayer back at the end of season two, Eleven may have finally met her match, and that's going to make for some really interesting content. Hopefully, I'm assuming this will not be the last time Eleven and Billy cross paths. Well, that, and I think it's it's because you, you don't want to have the Superman problem where exactly. uh, your you know protect is the is invincible, and that, that's not very engaging as a story. So yeah, I think having somebody that uh, could beat Eleven is is m- much more. Uh, enjoyable as a story because uh, then there's real stakes uh and uh it, you know again it was cool 11 closed the door but it was just kind of like okay 11's here and now we're good everything's fine <laughs> so. yeah she, she really has been used as like the nuclear option at the yeah. end of the first two seasons of yeah. like all right 11's here and she'll save everything yep. now that you have her as a regular part of the group it's like what do we do and i'm glad that the duffers have enough insight to be like okay well, this is gonna be the part of the superhero arc where like now a more the most powerful villain that eleven has ever encountered yep. has come up to fight against her and how is she going to harness her powers to defeat it which remains to be seen because as you said jack uh she was able to i guess nick him a bit but it's very clear as heather says uh, among their army that they are far from done right now yeah right exactly exactly is it is it pronounced dacker Montgomery. I think it's pronounced uh, the way Josh has been saying it is Daker, like Daker with a D in front of okay. it. Okay, ah, that makes sense. Uh, but uh, kudos to him, his acting, because I think you know maybe it was maybe again the character is one dimensional season one, not necessarily his fault, but I think he's gotten a lot more to chew on, and I think he's done a phenomenal job with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, I think that's a good place to close it out for this episode. Uh, we will uh, be back uh, either later this week, or maybe early next week, with the final four chapters. And, uh, uh, Mike, I know it's been almost a year and a half or whatever it is, two years, but, uh, as always, uh, we're just like right back in the thick of it and always enjoy, uh, getting to chat, uh, with you and talk about TV with you. Uh, yeah, same. I, I, lo- I love talking with you guys. It's just like stranger things. We come back a couple of years later, you know, we're all older. We all are in different, maybe family situations, but when we get back into it, it's just like, we're rolling dice again. So I'm, I'm so happy to be back for these couple of podcasts and thanks again, for having me and again if you guys want to listen to uh josh wiggler and i break down more of a specific episode by episode uh structure of stranger things complete with um, plenty of tangents and a lot of stupidity and nonsense to it be sure to check out <laughs> post show recaps you can get my thoughts in the moment 
S2, those first couple of episodes in particular that, again, I've sort of changed my tune on, though. We're about to release episode three, which totally agree with you, Jack. That's when my opinion really turned around in the moment. So I'm excited to hear people's opinions on our opinions and excited to uh, revisit that as well. I'm sure we'll have a feedback show coming up in the near future to uh, address what a re- what a rewatch can do and what talking about the show with guys such as yourselves have sort of uh, changed my opinion on some things. Yeah, and uh, for the next episode, if you do want to get in feedback as well, Stranger Things JJM at Gmail uh, dot com. Uh, be yeah, I think it's it's one of the tough things about a bingeable show is you kind of just go through it so fast that you don't have uh, the same kind of uh, community engagement that you might have in a show that goes uh, week to week. Uh, but uh, pump that uh, you and Wiggler. Uh, tackled it uh, that way so uh, and um, Wiggler's uh, fantastic uh, as well are you or Mike but I think we already said that enough times uh, so that should be a lot of fun <laughs> you got your quota in you're good now you kicked off the box <laughs> uh, for Jack and I we're going to Comic Con next week we have uh, our uh, yearly panel about Lost Lost Fans Unite uh, which will also have our good friend uh, Joe Garfine uh, and it'll be Who's so that good friend? That's a, that's a stretch. Uh, I mean, for you, Jack, but I think she's a good. I consider her a good friend. Uh, and Ralph uh, Apple uh, will be moderating it from the Darmalars uh, podcast. Uh, so that should be. I think in this year we uh, got moved up to Thursday at 11 a.m., kind of kicking off the first full Ooh. day of Comic Con. Uh, so that should be fun. We usually are like Saturday in the middle of the day. So I'm actually excited at being Thursday. Uh, one uh, because uh, we won't have to like compete with Warner Brothers at one o'clock on a Saturday, um, and so hopefully more people are going to come uh, talk lost with us. Uh, and uh, two, then uh, once I'm done with that, my work uh, at Comic Con is done. I get to just go enjoy the con for the next few days. But uh, uh, definitely, if you are a Lost fan and want to come chat, uh, every time like I'm like nobody's going to show this thing, but we always get a really good crowd and a lot of new Lost fans, which yeah, again there's, blows there's my mind. There's always new Lost fans. Because uh, it's this will be uh, the uh, what fifteen or uh, what year nine after the the show uh, went wow. off the air. Um, yeah. So it, it's always a good time uh, for the Lost fans, and uh, uh, we're we're posting up that on our social medias as well as it'll be in the full official uh, program. Um, but yeah, uh, should be fun as well as all the podcasts that, that we all do. Uh, uh, I know the broads, uh, have broadcasts, but they also have broad little eyes. So they're talking about, uh, big little eyes, uh, the HBO show, which is in season two and the amazing Meryl Streep is killing it, uh, in season two, as well as the amazing cast, yeah, uh, I don't uh, like back her. from season one. Uh, and, um, uh, no, not Meryl Streep, her character. Yeah. Her character. Yeah. But that's. That's the point. And yes. actually, if you want to hear another member of the Bloom family, I know my wife, Angela, yes. subbed on for Amanda last week to talk about, in a similar type of vein, a, a still another pretty ridiculous show in Big Little Lies, season two especially. But and again, it's still it's still a really fun show to watch, and especially to hear them, the broads, get into each and every week, into all of the in comedy, the drama, issues, and of course, the perennial question of where is Shandy? <laughs> yes yes so uh shandy who is one of the hosts uh is actually uh, she has a speaking line that she uh filmed uh, she actually got sag credits for it she showed up to be an extra and she kind of got quickly cast into this role uh, so she might be in the next episode who knows uh i just i hope for shandy that it's not like cut or something but i i think uh she will, will it's like a big thing on the facebook group can when is shandy going to show up yeah is she uh yeah. i think she can get an imdb credit as well so really? uh hopefully we'll see we'll see like we'll, we can say we knew her when before 
before she goes big time. My wife and I started watching on the 4th of July, this, the season one, and we just finished it last night. Caught up. Oh, I wow. could not think of a Dang. more patriotic show to watch, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then a bunch well, of privileged you guys, uh, rich women. About, you guys were talking about Fourth of July. My wife goes, "Why don't, why don't we give it a try?" I said, "Okay, we'll, we'll give it a try." It's a, the, season one in particular is amazing. I personally think season two has had some ridiculous moments that I would forgive less than Stranger Things because I think it's a show that tries to take itself pretty seriously, and there are some pretty corny i think colleen really says it best when she calls it like a telenovela for white people and i think honestly if you approach it with that it's it's a really enjoyable show especially the the performances whether or not the writing is you know uh meant to be comedic or not are just fantastic across the board they recruit such high caliber talent oh yeah to get across all these storylines i pretty much called everything like after the second episode but it was still enjoyable to watch yeah I, to me uh, I uh, especially with Meryl Streep, okay, she just kind of shows up and she's so freaking good. She just chews up the scenes, but her also uh, kind of going toe to toe with Reese Witherspoon, and I just to me, uh, you, you have a, a, one of the, arguably a collection of the greatest uh, female actors in Hollywood in one show. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're you're gonna uh, get a fun thing to watch regardless. So uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, and I believe, uh, Jack, do you have any other shows? Are there any TV shows you're podcasting about right now? TV shows? Uh, no, just finished up uh, Amazing Race. That's right. Don't spoil me. We're not caught up yet. I won't know. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, Ramblecast, or RC, Ramblecast After Dark, RCAD, uh, is continuing to go strong throughout yes, the summer. Yes. Well, I don't know if it's going strong, but it's still going. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that will do it. I uh, want to especially thank Tack from Tokyo, Eckhart Richter, Maggie the Magnificent, Joanne with the plan, Drake the Destroyer, and uh, Ed the Creepy Mailman. It's, it's Tack from Paris. Oh, tech. oh, he's in Paris now? Okay. Uh, and wow. um, uh, thank you to those and all of our patrons. Go become a patron today at patreon.com slash Jack. All right, that'll do it. We'll see you all next time. Hasta luego, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>